But one of the things that we found that was so exciting was that in two different 18 milers, some four weeks apart, I think, uh, your stride rate and your stride length had gone up considerably, which made up for that. What, what are we talking? We're talking about a 40 to 50 second uh, per mile increase in pace, right? At the same intensity. That's right. And I, it was just like a switch went off too. It wasn't a gradual thing. I just noticed one day things just clicked. Welcome to the Run Form Podcast. I'm Bobby McGee, running mechanics expert. And I'm Matt Condola, your run-specific strength coach. Matt and I have been working together for almost a decade on some of the top athletes in the world, and we've decided to share that process with you guys. Hi, everybody. It's uh, time for another Run Form chat, and uh, we're very privileged this week to have uh, marathon runner Ryan Peel with us. And we're going to do something different this week. Uh, we're going to chat to Ryan for a slightly shorter period of time pre the Chicago Marathon, which is what uh, Matt and I have been helping Ryan with is his preparation for this year's Chicago Marathon. And then after the marathon, we're going we're gonna to risk that before and after conversation, right? <laughs> and so then after the marathon, we're going to have Ryan on again to speak about his experience there. So I'm, I'm Pretty excited. Thanks so much for being willing to chat to us, Ryan. Uh, I know that these environments, when it comes to pers your own personal uh, preparation, is normally what happens to the pros, right? The amateurs don't get this opportunity uh, or this pressure to talk about their marathon training in their world. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, as an age group athlete, uh, you know, I thought it would be good to give my perspective on the Renform program having never done anything like this in the past. And uh, I, I think I can, you know, offer a little bit of insight for, for others out there. Yeah. So yeah. we have a pretty unique uh, situation, right? You, you've been working with Runform, but you've also been working one-on-one -on -one with Matt and you and Matt are, are good personal friends, right? And you, uh, you have a background in both marathon running and ultra marathon running. And I think you were the last phase of, of your of your running career was actually ultra marathoning. And then you approached me because you wanted to run a fast Chicago marathon being a fast course and the like. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you grew up in running. Sure. You know, so I, I've running has been part of my life. Most of my life is, is, a uh, as a kid, it was more to keep in shape for other sports. I played all the team sports growing up, very active Running was never really my sport. I, I think uh, in eighth grade, I ran uh, cross country, and that was that was my only experience. The rest of my childhood, I spent uh, playing football, baseball, uh, and boxing. When I started boxing, it seemed like I, I really found my running to keep me in shape uh, for, for boxing. And then as I got to be a little older and all the team sports went away, running for me has been a place to you know uh, find stress relief. And more and more as I've gotten older, it's been something I can continue to do to challenge myself and to um, to to really find a stress relief with modern, you know, hectic lifestyle and so forth. Yeah. So, Ryan, first of all, I'm wearing a mask today with you. I do have a camp that I'm doing with Chelsea Sodaro in Kona. I leave in a couple of days. 
and I did promise that I would wear my mask around everyone. So nothing against you. I just have to wear my mask and I'm on my trip in a couple of days. So feeling good and looking forward to Kona camp with Chelsea. But moving into your scenario, I wanted to talk a little bit about how we actually met, how we became friends. I think it's kind of a cool story. I was doing a Silver State race, a half marathon trail race. And I had, well, I won the inaugural uh, race and that was 15 years ago, I think it was. And so entering this race, you know, forget that I'm older, that's okay. I still in my mind wanna win. And actually looking at the rankings going into the race, I was ranked first. So I thought, well, I'll just take the lead. And that first part of the course is pretty brutal, right? It's all kind of an uphill climb. And I just know that I was working too hard. I actually talked about this at the podcast at one point about a race where my ego got in the way, but it's also a single track at a big part of the race that once you start the race, then you get on a single track and you climb a mountain. And so you get to kind of this false summit. And at that point, I was already getting a little bit cooked and realizing that I had some guy nipping at my heels. And as soon as there was room to pass, you said, hey, why don't we just switch off from this point on and we can help each other out? And I thought, yeah, okay, great. I'll uh, do my best to do that. And within about two or three minutes, you're already off in the distance on me. And I knew that I was just going to be on my own for a while. So you ended up winning that race uh, by quite a bit. I was um, in, I think third overall is when I got that day. And uh, I definitely thought to myself, wow, that, that guy's a a really, really talented trail runner. Um, I, I was not used to seeing somebody who would gather the ground so well. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But I remember after the race, we talked and I was just coming out with Bobby with run form at the time. And I was telling you a little bit about it. And you were certainly interested, but I felt like a bit of a salesman talking to the guy who beat me about how he could run better, right? But you uh, you definitely were open-minded about it, but it was about a year or so that uh, went by before I heard that you were interested in maybe doing run form. And we got to chatting and we bumped into each other at a coffee shop and we decided to give it a go, right? So that's kind of the the background. Now it's been, we've been working together for this journey about five months to get ready for Chicago Marathon. I know it's one of the world marathons that you want to be able to run and that's on your checklist so you can run all the world marathons, right? That could be a goal of long term. Yeah. So this, I run Boston and then this would be the second one and we'll see where we go from there. Uh, but yeah, you planted the seed that day after the race. And I, you know, I considered, I'd never had any uh, professional coaching. I, I knew I probably wasn't, didn't have the best run form. And I knew I, I probably was leaving some stuff on the table by, uh, by not exploring that. And so it had always been in the back of my mind to maybe uh, work with a professional, someone that could analyze my gait and give me some feedback. You know, I, I was able to follow a program and, and train hard, but I, I didn't really know if I was doing everything right, you know? So um, uh, backing up a little bit, I, I went through a couple period where or a couple years where I was training really hard and, and trying, I was running Boston and, um, 
And I, w- I, I started getting burnout. I was just overcooked, uh, o- working too much. I, I own my own little company and uh, I have four kids. And so just, I got caught up in, in too many things and I got a little bit of a burnout. And, and I still have these goals of running fa- a fast marathon. I'd like to go, you know, sub 250, really sub 245 in a marathon. And I just, I, I was burnout and I didn't know where to go. And so the, the idea came up to contact you. And like you said, we, we happened to run into each other in a coffee shop and spark the conversation. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm working with you guys and, uh, or working with you first, Matt. And then you introduced me to Bobby and it's been a great experience. You know, I, I came in to this program. uh, I think when we talked, it was like 17 weeks out from Chicago. I was overweight. I was undertrained. I just, I hadn't been able to find my mojo. And really, I, I had a lot of doubts if I could get it together in such a period of time. But you took me on and we just got after it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, listen, first of all, you say that you were a bit deconditioned, right? And to be clear, for you and your standards, I know that that was something that you felt like you had to get back your your former fitness. And I think this is an important part of the conversation, too, because Bobby certainly needed to be involved with a specific goal like yours and in a shorter time frame like this, because we're not talking about a trail race where I think, quite honestly, your attributes are a little bit more geared for that. But to establish run form that is going to really help you to be able to gain ground with really a cadence that was already uh, quite good and gathering that was exceptional. But ultimately, how can we gain more ground with a guy like you that's used to being on trails where those steps are quite different? They can be quite uh, choppy or rooty, even in that movement pattern that you're hitting that's constantly varying and changing. Uh, That's where I think we had to relearn some steps so we could get into a better glide, if you will, for the road. And Bobby, I'll let you kind of talk a little bit now about what you were looking at to allow that to happen. Yeah, there's there's a number of points, I think, that in this conversation that we need to touch on. I think uh, first globally, Ryan, maybe just talking about your experience when you first met me, albeit uh, on Zoom, of the qu- the kind of questions I asked, did, did did that leave you confident? Because I was I was I always really try and get behind the the circumstances of the runner before I get behind the actual training. Right. So there's the physiological needs, there's the mechanical needs, but then there's also the logistical needs. Is what what can the runner do? Uh, can you talk about your experience when you got that questionnaire the first time? Did that leave you more confident? Did that make yeah. you feel like, yeah? Well, I think you asked all the right questions, you know, uh, so for us just meeting each other, having no history, you definitely asked uh, all the questions to find out what kind of a runner I am. You know, I, I happen to be more of a diesel kind of runner. I'm not a speedster or, you know, um, so, so physiologically, you ask the right questions. And also, um, you you had me explain kind of when I like to run and how I like to run. If I if I if I'm a gadget guy or if I go by feel and those types of things. And for me, 
I, I tend to run a little bit more by feel. So when you gave me your feedback and started programming my my schedule, uh, I know you were able to do so around my hectic uh, schedule, fit in the runs, the quality runs, and the recover the easy runs on the right days to where they'd be a little more convenient for me. And then with working with Matt in your run from form program, I noticed I was getting a um, kind of a lighter load than what I'm, I'm used to. I'm able to run less, train less. And, um, and, but, but, you know, I put a lot of faith in that pro in that process because I know you guys get good results. So that the, there was never a question with, uh, it, for me, if I was working with guys that were going to get me there, it was just, am I going to be able to get myself there? You know? And so there was a period for, for a while where I was maybe lacking some confidence because, um, because of, I wasn't used to, to running so little, I guess. Thanks, Ryan. That's a very clear answer in terms of how you experienced that. Um, I think that, you know, the, the low mileage conversation is often, you know, just measured on those miles. So when we had that conversation, you know, we, we spoke about, are we going to use heart rate? Are we going to use power? Or are we going to use, you know, an RPE scale? And I gave you a 10-point a RPE scale that you've used very effectively. But you've been able week after week to report to me what the heart rates are in those workouts and then deliver those data sets from your stride device that, that you're wearing, right? And so to me, what was very exciting is uh, we straight away got into, uh, I like to approach the marathon with most athletes, on that reverse periodization model, right? Where we start off with the quality work. And perhaps you can just say something about it, how you felt about yourself and doing those early uh, zone four workouts, you know, which to you were, were you know, RPE six, RPE seven workouts yeah. and how you felt about the numbers. I felt terrible and discouraged really because I'd never taken this approach previously. And like I said, kind of coming into the, the marathon training block, uh, for me, a little less fit than I'd like to be. A lot of those early workouts were so discouraging. I was working so hard. I wasn't hitting the splits. I thought I needed to hit. And, um, it was tough. It was, uh, it was definitely, um, something that was challenging um, I know that you, you set me up with the stride device, and but that was that was neat to be able to see um, some of the feedback that I was able, you know, I was able to get from the stride device that I was previously unaware of, like my stride length, and you know, I think I had a real accurate cadence. Um, some of these metrics I'd never had an experience with the feedback. So week over week, I did start seeing a little bit of improvement. Uh, and that was encouraging, you know, but those first few weeks of quality workouts were pretty tough. Yeah. So this is a great opportunity to just quickly, and, and we've spoken about this before, obviously, but, but just re-explain to our listeners that whole concept of uh, the, the connecting or the coupling of, of pace to effort, right? So initially, when you're doing a marathon training program and you're reverse periodizing it, you're doing the, the, the threshold work, you know, the, the, the zone four work right near the beginning. And the runner, not having experience with this, uh, wants to associate this, the pace uh, with the intensity, right? And so what we want in the beginning of a marathon program 
is the intensity, right? So ironically, what's happening now, late in your marathon training, right? What was your zone four intensity or your RPE six intensity at, at that at that point in time is now actually your your RPE five intensity, right? So you're now doing um, tempo work, which is more your marathon pace work at the same pace that you were doing, uh, you know, your your zone your zone four work at the beginning of the program, right? So it just required that modicum of trust and that modicum of of of, uh, of patience to be able to see, oh, and now suddenly we we're doing that. So my next question then is is and and. I've decided to call it the, the tale of two eighteen milers, right? Because I think it was last week where you where you made that magic statement that every marathon coach wants to hear is I am running considerably faster in my aerobic work at the same intensity. So that connection, which previously without uh, devices like the stride device, right, the power monitor. Uh, are kind of difficult to explain. Obviously, there's a huge physiological component, right? Your economy is is improving in leaps and bounds. But one of the things that we found that was so exciting was that in two different 18 milers, some four weeks apart, I think, uh, your stride rate had gone up considerably, all right? And your stride length had gone up considerably, which made up for that. What What are we talking? We're talking about a 40 to 50 second uh, per mile increase in pace, right? At the same intensity. That's right. And I, it was just like a switch went off too. It wasn't a gradual thing. I just noticed one day things it just clicked. Uh, you know, three or so weeks ago, I raced a, uh, an 8K race. I was incredibly unhappy with, you know, how I performed on that. And I, still, I was kind of, doubt, I wasn't doubting you guys. I was doubting myself, you know, and and then fast forward a week or so, and things everything just changed, and uh, and now uh, you know I'm I think I'm a little less than four weeks out from Chicago, and I, I finally have that confidence that yeah maybe uh, maybe I still can you know do this I'll be 45 a couple of days after Chicago, so I'm definitely not going to be getting too much faster as I age, but um, I think I, I have a good shot of of letting this play out for you know maybe another 10 years and hang in there thanks to you guys oh absolutely so there's so many little exciting things that come up there so one of the other challenges we have is you're training at medium altitude right so uh there is a little bit of a conversion factor and we were talking before before we went uh before we went live that uh this whole concept of the neurological training training your legs to run at that that 245 pace at altitude over duration is just not possible, right? Because you're just working too hard. And that uh, emotional mental connection is, is there's no way I can sustain this for 26 miles, right? I, I know I can run this pace, but not for that long. And, and being able to feel and mentally internalize that that is possible at sea level requires some, some mental gymnastics. So Speak a little bit about the work that we've been doing uh, on on the mental side as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I, I know that you've been talking to me about trying to pick courses that are maybe flat or even a slightly downhill, so that I'm able to run that marathon pace and and feel a little more comfortable. 
and and I'm not always able to do that with my hectic schedule. A lot of times I just ride out this right out the door and run wherever I can. Like you said, it is a little higher altitude. We we live in a hilly area, and uh, so so yeah, we're we're trying to um, be as creative as we can, and I'm trying just to to make the most with every one of these these workouts and uh, knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm able to train my legs um, to run that speed. And it's, it's probably going to feel a little easier when I get to Chicago. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it funny, right? Uh, There's two things that I need to say here that are so important is, is that the average marathon runner, the, the, the age group marathon runner, and you believe me, you're not average, right? I want to go back to the fact that you said, it's kind of hard getting used to this lower mileage that I'm used to. And, and just so that our listeners know, Ryan is doing 80 miles a week, right? So he's calling that low mileage, right? <laughs> anyway, that, that the average age grouper runs slower on a flat course than they do on a rolling course. And that's nothing to do with the fact that, yeah, flat courses should be way faster than rolling courses, right? Because you can never make up the time on a downhill that you lost on the uphill because of the amount of time that you were running on the uphill. Um, so, uh, to explain that that's a mental issue, it's very difficult to focus. So if you're running in a bubble and the pace that Ryan's going to be running at, they're going to be a lot fewer runners around him, right? The elites are going to be way down the road and Ryan's going to be running round about the pace of some of the elite women, right? They're going to be running somewhere between 220 and 240. So in, in that kind of range, so he's not going to have a lot of company. And it's really difficult to concentrate on pace uh, because it's so easy to drop three or four seconds per mile when you're running at that pace. So it's a concentration thing. So you really want to look for informal rabbits, right? You want to find people that are running at about the pace that you need to run at, that you're just working a little bit to keep up with them. And that can be difficult at that point in the run is to to concentrate on on pace there. Um the, the other thing that I, that I wanted to mention here that I think will be uh, very useful is the, the work that you're doing with Matt showing up, right? So we know there's physiological improvements in economy and in leg speed, but even this morning, we started this podcast a little late because we were doing some last minute mechanical stuff. Speak about how that now sounds to you working on you know your 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 elbow angle uh, at this late stage in 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 your preparation process. Yeah, um, I, I've definitely benefited from having some feedback from you guys as we go along uh, to continue to improve my stride, improve my running form. And right now we are working on the the little bit of an elbow. I think I have the tendency to to run a little too tight with my arms. Um, and so we're working on trying to loosen that up. And it's been great working with Matt because, you know, we, we, we find something like that and he can put together uh, a great recommendation of something that's on run form to, you know, some sort of a, a, a mobility drill or or something, you know, with bands that'll, that'll help uh, resolve that. So I think there's just a few things that we're still trying to work on and um, and hopefully we'll we'll get it just as right as I can get before race day. Yeah, I mean I'll speak a minute on starting with the basics. And we always talk about this. 
So what you're referring to now is going back to some of the movements that I think are more of a priority for you to focus on now. And those movements will establish a much greater change for you on the day, but in large part because you have built this base of yours, right? So in my mind, first of all, I would like to talk about how you've managed to follow your run form protocol on a daily basis, being a busy businessman and father, because it's not always easy. And that's why I think you're on here speaking to the population that are not professional athletes. And most of our clients obviously are not professional athletes. So we do want to talk about how we manage that in the day. It's not always perfect, but it's doable. And you've been so consistent with it that that's why we can continue to make some some positive changes even now in this stage of the game, Ryan. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, well, first of all, the, what you give me in mobility drills or uh, different that my protocol to work on daily is, you know, I've got it down to where it takes about eight minutes or so. It's not a real big time investment. And coupled with the, the fewer miles that I'm running, I think I'm st- I'm training less overall than I have previously. So uh, these types of things, working with bands, I can do almost anywhere. I can do them at home. Sometimes I can do some of these movements in the office. Um, so it kind of works with, I can make it work within my schedule. I'm also someone who's who's good at just following a plan. So if, if, if it's on my calendar, I'm going to do it. It's like a meeting or anything else. If it's there on my in my day, I'm going to make time for it. And I sometimes I do have to juggle and I'll, I'll touch base with you or I'll touch base with Bobby. Maybe I'll have a business trip and then we'll get kind of creative and we'll move things around a little bit. But all in all, I found it. I, I, I am busy, but I'm good at managing those minutes. And, and this program's been good for me being able to, uh, to, to fit it all in. Yeah. When I say it's not always perfect, I love the example that your kids started back up in their school year. After having the summer off, all of a sudden now you're making dinner because they're at their dance or boxing practices, right? And you're also establishing a new ritual with their homework and all of these things. You're a very present father, of course. I love that. And you don't sacrifice any of that. But we did have to make some adjustments a few weeks ago, realizing that, hey, we have a different schedule now. So I just, I want to. I want to highlight this a little bit because I think it helps people to understand that you can manage these things. It's just a little bit of planning and pencil, making adjustments with a plan, but you do have to use that eraser sometimes and readjust. That's true. Everything is not always perfect. And and with the kids back in school, it did kind of just, you know, throw us into a whirlwind for a couple of weeks. You guys were helpful. And, and I think we, we took a week of, uh, just really focused on recovery for me. I was a little sleep deprived. I, I would stay up a little late or get up a little early just to squeeze in my workouts uh, because we have late nights now with, with the kids sports and all that. So I, I focused really hard one week on recovery and, um, and, and then we, we managed to, to make it work, you know, and I'm, I'm still trying. I find that I benefit by doing these little things, whether it be mindfulness uh, you know, a little short meditation or breath work, uh, which Matt's helped me a little bit on some breath work and, um, and all those things kind of, it kind of help balance it out. 
Beautiful. Yeah. And I'll wrap up this first part of the conversation again. We're going to be back talking about post-marathon. But before we even know the results of the marathon itself and on the day, a lot of things can happen, right? But I think the process that you've been through, we're excited because we know that, yes, we want a good marathon. Chicago is the goal and we want to run a new PR. That being said, we know that we've built such a great foundation that 2024 can be even better. And right. So it's not just about one day anymore. It's about longevity. And when I think back in the beginning, if I were to give you some uh, some highlights, it would be that you are such a great trail runner. I think boxing helped tremendously with that. I think that's a great sport to cross train with. That in your background certainly helped a lot. But that being said, we had to work a lot on single leg stability. We had to work a lot on how our foot was feeling the ground. So all of those proprioceptive qualities. But I want to be clear that we don't just do balancing drills and we don't just do um, things that are, let's say, just the basics, although that's the foundation. We move from that mobility and motor control and we start to really focus on good loading in that single leg and opposite arm. We start to really work on that coordination and control under load. So I'm going to now just skip forward to where we're at now. We're doing a ballistic movement that's with uh, med ball, med ball slams. And we were just reviewing this movement yesterday with Bobby. We ended up having you do this in about five and a half seconds for six ground contacts with a 14 pound med ball, not the kind that bounces off the ground easily, but the softer kind that you really have to slam that ball down. And that total body integration, that total body control that you've established now, it's not just a little bit faster, it's a lot faster. We couldn't break seven seconds for six contacts initially. Now we're down to five, five and a half seconds. So I know that you have established better neural drive, and that's just one example of it. And that's got to be a great confidence booster for you as well, I would I would imagine. Absolutely. See, and from where I came to where I am now, uh, I've gained a lot in, in uh, coordination and control. And that's the biggest thing I think I found uh, a difference in. It's really being able to coordinate my full body integration into writing. Uh, I'm still not perfect at it, but... I've I've noticed a huge improvement there thanks to you guys and 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 I am noticing a lot more power. We've been getting into some some power movements and and deadlifts and um, you know it, I I've noticed uh, well the numbers speak for themselves. Like we've grown a lot in in my strength numbers and I'm feeling that out on my runs. My runs are feeling easier. You know I'm I'm so far you know I'm this has been a good process and for me for longevity this is something I think that I can sustain over time and. Regardless of how Chicago goes, I know that uh, that I'm, I'm challenging myself to become a better runner. I've seen a lot of growth, and I think I still have a lot more out there on the table that I can uh, I can grab from and and take into challenges into next year and beyond. Yeah, and with that base that you have now, your sharpening phase is what we're working on finally here in the last few weeks, and it's just basically mastering the run form pillars at this point. And we are just getting those basics 
mastered, remastered, tested, trained, and retested again. And that's what I want to finish this part of the podcast with is that that's going to bring us home. And that's the sharpening work. And that is why I believe that we're going to be able to set ourselves up. We can only control what we can control, but we're certainly doing that. We have not had the old injuries of the past come up and take away from our training. And that in itself is such a huge win. That's what I mean by longevity. That's what I mean by being able to build confidence, not just for the day, although this is going really well, but also thinking ahead to, geez, like you said, 10 years from now, I think I'll still be able to do this. I'm not breaking myself down and wearing myself out in order to get these goals. That's right. And previous marathon training, right about now is the time where the wheels start coming off the glass. And I've just overdone the training. Uh, I think I probably peaked too soon. I, or I feel I'm running fast. Everything's great. And then about a month out, little issues start popping up. No major injuries, but just little things. And and they slow me down in my training in the final month. And, and I can happily say right now I'm feeling super healthy and very confident to tackle the last few weeks coming up to Chicago. Awesome. Well, like I say, I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. It's going to be a fun process to success. And Certainly beyond that, the next few years, I think are going to be even better. Bobby? Yeah, no, there's so many things that you guys touched on. I don't even know if I can get to all of them as my final statement, right? But I think uh, a, a good message that came through there for our listeners is that setting yourself up to run a marathon uh, only based on whether your time is indicating to you whether you were successful or not is is a real it, it's a good way to set yourself up to fail right because even over distances like the mile you need such good circumstances to show up on the day and then during the course of 26 miles the likelihood that you're going to have a perfect day is very very slim right so a lot of the elites train beyond the the demands of competition in a marathon so that if they have a day that's slightly warm, uh, that they can have a, a performance that's not their peak performance in terms of time, but they can have a peak performance in terms of the circumstances. And so for the age group athlete, that would mean is, is okay, I wanted to run 245 today, but it was a hot day, or it was a windy day, or it was a super cold day, or it was a slippery day. It was raining or, or something like that went on. And to be able to go, okay, who are the other people that would be running 245 in this race? What did they do, right? And if you were running two or three minutes faster than they were, maybe you ran a 253 or a 251 or something, and those guys were going 256, 257. That's that's kind of what you need to, to look at in those days, or even finishing the race, right? Sometimes the race is so hot. A couple of years ago, they had to abandon Chicago, uh, when I think about 60, 70% of the field hadn't, hadn't finished, right? And they, they abandoned the race, which, was, which, which is disastrous because they had an unseasonably hot day, I think. So that's an important thing is that the age group has learned that, oh, no, I had a good race today. I didn't run a good time. I didn't run my goal time or my target time, but I had a good race. I got everything out of myself under these circumstances, right? And I think one of the mistakes that runners make there is, is if the conditions are off, they know the conditions are off, but they kind of hope they start off at their goal pace and they kind of hope it will be okay. And it's never okay, right? Because there's no place to hide in the marathon. 
You have to adjust proactively in the marathon. Um, that was the one message. And then the other thing, Matt, we started this podcast off with a concept of gather, right? And I think it's always a good idea to go back over what gather is so that people understand when you're running, all right, you are not running at a constant pace. Your devices might say you're running at a constant pace, but every time you put your foot down on the ground, you massively decelerate, right? And so that's the hallmark of an elite runner versus a non-elite runner, right? So a non-elite runner might have a ground contact time of, say, uh, 350 milliseconds, right? Whereas the, the elite runner might have 160, 170 milliseconds that their foot is on the ground. So they're decelerating less than than the non-elite runner, right? Uh, so where the gather comes into that is that as you, as you go forward with your foot to put it onto the ground, your foot should be moving backwards when you put it on the ground. And that's the gathering. So you reduce the amount of braking. All right. So if you reach forward, you straighten your knee, you stick your heel out in front of you, you land with your shin leaning backwards, you're going to have a massive ground contact time and you're going to decelerate massively. Right. So the gather is, is when you're pushing that foot down, right, your, your thigh is straightening. It's bringing that foot closer to your center of mass. So your foot is actually going in the opposite direction that your body's going in. And it's very easy to pick up with high speed photography who gathers well and who does not. And so with, with Ryan, what was so interesting is we have a better gather on his right foot than we have on his left foot. And so that allows Matt and myself to go, okay, so what's going on with the left hip, with the left knee, uh, and where can we improve so that we get uh, a, a more symmetrical gather on that left side? And so that's what this week has been about for us. So, so exciting stuff. So just for this first uh, part of the, of the podcast, I just say to Ryan, thank you so much for being, you know, being vulnerable, being open. I think that provides a lot for, you know, the, the thousands of people out there that are trying to get better at the marathon, you know, when they might be past their absolute physiological best, which is somewhere in their, in their mid-20s, right? That there's still a way to run PRs, especially in things like the marathon, Right. I actually don't like coaching the marathon, even though I've coached an Olympic champion and I've coached a world marathon major winner. It's just so, there's just so many things that can go wrong. And it's just a, to, to have Matt on the team and to have the kind of mindset that you have, Ryan, it just makes it possible for us to eradicate as many of those variables as possible. Oh, well, thank you. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, excited for the next podcast and we hear all about your Chicago adventure. All right. Can't wait. As always, thanks for listening to the Run Form podcast. And as a reminder, we offer a totally free movement improvement assessment on our Pandola Project website. Here you can get your own personalized protocol that will help your running today. So give that a try. Also, Bobby and I are experts on any question app where you can ask us, well, any question. So reach out to us directly there. Finally, if you learned anything new today, don't forget to share it with your compadres and leave us a quick review. That really helps us a lot. All the links you need are in the show notes below. Till next time, have a great run. Well, that was, that was awesome. Yeah.